0: on this episode. If I knew back then what I know now about relationships, imagine, that's where I say teachers are time travelers. We have a chance to go back in time every year and share with the youth what we wish we knew when we were their age,
1: if they would only listen, and some do. From the coveted corner booth in a little bar in the center of the Coachella Valley universe, welcome to another Big Conversation with Patrick Evans and Randy Florence. Gentlemen.
2: Welcome to another edition of Big Conversations Little Bar, recorded live at Skip Page's Little Bar, the center of the Coachella Valley universe. It is located just off Highway 111. Stop by for a cold beer or a great drink, a craft cocktail, and the best, I don't remember the price anymore, $11 cheeseburger in town. My name is Patrick (laughs) Evans, and I am joined, as I am every week, by my stalwart and
1: trusty co-host, and sidekick, Randy Florence. Kind of intimidating watching you roll up your sleeves as you're introducing me. I, I just wanted like to show you the tattoo happen. just to
2: know that, you know, I am in that gang and yeah. Yeah. we've got our eye on you. Yeah, he is.
1: Randy, welcome. How are you? I am awesome. This is um, what's happening this week. I'm not allowed to use dates. Our producer gets really upset. If or I'm this talk week. About it. Or this week. Is it Thanksgiving? Are we coming up on that? <laughs> uh, I don't know when this is going to happen. But what I did want to say is... We just celebrated my wife's birthday. Yes, we did. And we did a whole bunch of singing. <laughs> yeah, there was
2: some singing involved. I didn't say good singing. Okay, I just yeah, there a were there people singing. <laughs> there was a karaoke party. The food was fantastic. There the was. crowd was great. Uh, the singers were enthusiastic.
1: I'll just go with that. And I'm counting myself enthusiastic in Enthusiastic well. and old. That's a tough combination a lot of times. <laughs> but I did want to give a shout out to our, uh, our DJ, Sean Boyle from uh, Palm Springs, who did an amazing job at that party. So thank you very much. So, yeah, it's been a good week. My wife's going to stay with me for another year. The party was that good. <laughs> was she, it was good that you were there. Was it, she was teetering. It
2: was like, if this party's no good, I'm...
1: 43 years she's been teetering. Well, she does have my wife's phone number, so... Yeah, but your wife's an attorney. I don't want her talking to her. <laughs> That was my point. Well, hey, I want to I get into our guest here. This is yeah. something I'm really, really interested in because it it touches on a whole bunch of things that are a big part of my life right now. And I want to read this introduction properly because if I don't, I'll be talking about Thanksgiving. Uh, Jason Tate is a 20-year veteran in secondary education with a BS in biology, licensed in functional medicine health coaching. And countless hours of training and certificates in the fields of nutrition education mind body medicine and functional medicine health coaching jason's current title is wellness specialist at coachella valley high school in the east valley jason welcome thank you Happy to be Unfortunately, here. Unfortunately, I was such a long introduction. We yeah, really we're really out of time, Jason. Here. It's, it's been a, a delight. You're great. Come back yeah. anytime. Yeah. I'm going to roll <laughs> my sleeves <laughs> up now, too. <laughs> Another person to start punching me through the show. So welcome. I, I'm, I'm really fascinated by this. Like, give us just real quickly kind of an overview of what a wellness specialist at Coachella Valley High School looks like sure.
0: Yeah, you bet. Uh, first, I have to give a shout out to Coachella Valley Coachella Valley Unified School District because they're the only district who has really taken uh, into account the mental health and well-being and social well-being of the students in their entire district. I'm at CV High School. Every high school in CV Unified, every middle school, and even one elementary school and they want to put this in every elementary school, wellness centers. Staffed full time by a wellness specialist or somebody that they're training in wellness with youth therapists and people to essentially counsel the students. So a day in the life of me, uh, I show up like a regular teacher. And sometimes I have a line of students, first thing in the morning, sometimes, you know, they just kind of trickle in. I have a list of referrals, um, students that teachers have noticed. Uh, their grades have been slipping, uh, their heads have been down, or you know they've noticed a change, sadness, whatever. Educating the whole student is something that is a very popular mantra in education, if you will. Educate the whole student. However, CV Unified in this district is the only district that, or in this valley is the only district that does educate the whole student because, you know, if you're showing up and you're dealing with trauma in your life, you know, um, I hear it all. A parent just passed away. As um, is, is little as a, a breakup, you know. Going through a breakup in high school.
2: When kids are distressed yeah. and stressed out, or depressed,
0: There's no or traumatized.
2: There's no learning that's going no on, learning. or, or no. a lot less. And I, I suspect, and I'm interested on your take on this. Sure. But post COVID, after kids returned mm-hmm. to the classroom, there was a huge transition for these kids to get back to in-person learning, and I will bet that you were dealing with a lot of issues. I still am. Yeah. This is a lasting impact yeah, on these yeah, kids, yeah. and I've seen it with my own kids, yeah. uh, and it really impacted their interpersonal relationships, exactly. not just their educational relationships. Right. You know, it, it, it was a, particularly for our youngest, it was really hard on the younger students yep. to have that
0: isolation. Right. Yeah, the students, middle school really is a mess. You know, it's just a mess. It is. I I never taught middle school. I I was a substitute
2: teacher uh, in Palm Springs Unified, and I did one middle school once, (laughs) and I spent most of the day hiding in the teachers' (laughs) bathroom.
0: I don't blame you. It's a mess, right? The hormone, like that's probably the most challenging time as we are trying to define ourselves. We're trying to acculturate into our tribe. Our voice is changing. You know, our bodies are changing. It's just, it's so confusing and it's just a mess, right? And so then you throw in COVID, you know, the kids are at home for a year and a half. They're not able to communicate, you know, or build friendships, you know. And they
1: had particular challenges that the lot of the valley didn't. Lack of broadband. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I was reading stories of kids in Coachella parking outside of a McDonald's sure. so yeah. they could get the so Wi-Fi get the from Wi-Fi. the McDonald's. Yeah.
0: Starbucks, whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, you know, coming back, uh, there were a lot of, um, you know, in that first year back, even, which was even a few years ago, even after the second year back, a lot of students were still wearing masks. Right. And so you can't read somebody's facial expressions as easily with that. So even when they were back, And eighty percent of the students, ninety percent of the students on the campus are wearing masks. You're not able to really kind of read the body language and facial, you know, language of people. So there were more fights that broke out. There was a lot less, um, you know, communication. There was miscommunication all over the place. And so,
1: what percentage of kids returned to school after COVID? Do we know that? What do you mean by well, a lot lot of kids. During COVID, particularly in the East Valley, a Mm -hmm. lot of families just had to put the kids to work. Right. And some of those kids didn't go back to school. Right. Yeah.
0: I don't have those numbers. Uh, I would say, you know, a a very small percent stayed home. Um, Most of the kids are back to school. Um, But, yeah, that's I'm still seeing it in the seniors right now. You know, because they were out their freshman year, you know, and so there's just it's still happening in another five years. It'll be behind us, you know, and but that's because the kids the kids
2: coming up didn't go through. You know, it's like I mean,
0: they had elementary school. Yeah. What
2: what will those But like you say, the seniors now uh, who were freshmen when that happened. Right. Right. they're still dealing with it. And Mm -hmm. they're about, many of them are going to go off to college or go to a trade school or or just go into the workforce, but they're going to carry that with them too, right? right? So it is still going to be an impact on society once these kids are
0: out of school. That, and, you know, it's not all bad. Here's the thing, right? You know, some students, some businesses, you know, even my wife, she found a niche, right? She's a Pilates instructor. So she still has clients that will stay with her even though they leave the desert, you know, and they go to their, you know, other places. Now there's that connection
1: yeah.
0: that I don't know that that would have happened before. You know, some of these students, you know, trial and tribulation, they were tested. In a, and some of the kids passed in the sense of they were challenged and they rose to meet that challenge. And they found a way to overcome it. And so not it's not bad for everyone, but it's certainly the social skills and your personal skills, like you mentioned. There's no replacement for that. You can't subs I mean, imagine not having high school for two years. Oh yeah. No. I mean I watched I watched my
2: kids go <laughs> yeah, through it. Yeah. Our, our oldest was in high school and yeah. so basically she was home for her sophomore and junior year. Oh my gosh. And she was on the volleyball team yeah. and doing great and then all of a sudden boom that stopped. Uh, you know I used to think it was a blessing that there was no dating going on. (laughs) (laughs) But then I realized we're unleashing this kid, you know, sending her off to college with no experience with guys (laughs) and and relationships. I thought, okay, maybe it wasn't such the blessing. (laughs) So, you know, you see, and and luckily I think she's worked through it pretty well and has a nice boyfriend. But, uh, you know, I think some of these kids, uh, our youngest is still kind of recovering from... The lack of interpersonal relationships, uh, right. because she wasn't able to be with her closest friends.
0: And now how old is your youngest?
2: She is fifteen and a freshman. Okay, all right. So, so she went through sixth it, it, grade. It, yeah, it was six. It was middle school Fifth, for sixth her. Grade. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, and and she transitioned to high school, which is always tough. Right, like it's a different school. That's
0: already hard. Yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: And and then she's going in with, you know, I wouldn't say deficits per se, but just kind of blind spots. Sure. Yeah. 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 So yeah. you were talking a little bit about. You, one of the things that you do is teach in kids in particular mm-hmm. to deal with stress. Mm-hmm. And you do it from a very functional medicine way. Exactly. So. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what functional medicine is and how that gives you this insight to kind of dig into stress and help these kids understand their stress and and treat it. Exactly. This is a great question. (laughs) So functional medicine... No, we're only 20 minutes into the podcast. (laughs) The
0: best question of the the hour. (laughs) The first 10 minutes was you talking about Thanksgiving. So So functional medicine is essentially root cause. So what is the root cause of this? Um, If there's, you know, a sink... And the water's flowing and the drain is plugged, right? And there's water overflowing out of the sink. Traditional medicine is to grab a mop and start mopping up this overflow of water, right? Treating symptoms, right? Without actually getting to the root cause, which will obviously turn off the water, unplug the sink, right? So a student who is having panic attacks, you know, I have a, a young lady that I work with. Her panic attacks are so severe she goes blind her oh my arch. she can't goodness. move her hands like her, her body locks up when she has these uh, severe panic wow. attacks. she can't see and she can't move and she's paralyzed from stress wow. that's how bad it gets for her. Stress is that powerful it's for that a powerful. lot of people. Yeah, yep, yeah. and it will lock up the uh, nervous system. I mean, you're getting a flood of, uh, you know, cortisol from the adrenal glands. Like it's, there's a, it's a biology though. And so, and that's, it's your, a biology, that's your, that's primary, that's my background. Step. Yeah. So this functional medicine approach, I, I, the first questions I ask when I meet a student for the first time, I want to get to know them, you know, I don't want them to launch into why they're crying or why they're there. I just like, I want to get to know you as a person. You know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old. It takes 17 years to be a 17-year-old, right? So, yeah, maybe they're going through a breakup right now, but maybe they're going through a breakup because they thought so-and-so was cheating because... That's all they've ever seen from their family at home, and they have this stigma to it. Like they're constantly jumping the gun. So I get to know them. I get to know who their siblings are, their life story, their family, what they love, what they don't love, you know, and and then we just kind of go from there. So this is a real process for you. Oh, for sure. You're you're
2: spending a, a lot of time with these kids an hour or more, which is more attention than they probably are getting from, you know, mentors like you
0: previously. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I was a classroom teacher in the classroom teaching biology to 45, 50 students at a time, six periods a day. <laughs> what a great way to learn. Huh? Yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and and, and I, I could tell, you know, that people were struggling. I had no time as a teacher to set aside and meet with these students. I knew these things were happening in the classroom, but there, I had no time to ever meet with them you know I tried to build a wellness center in the first district that I was in didn't work out and so now that CV Unified has this wellness center I get to sit down and the bells ring I'm like don't worry about the bells I got you we're just talking that's great you know and and they get to I can't even tell you how many times somebody says I've never told anybody this wow
1: you know let's go back because I mean All the stuff that you've accomplished, the TED Talk, all the other stuff that you've done in this valley, right? was there a single moment in your career as a teacher where you said, wait a minute, this is not the right direction? (laughs) Or was it just kind of organically over time it started moving you in the direction of becoming a wellness person as opposed to a teacher? great question. I know. Yeah. Yeah. So I was one, only 30 break. minutes in before I asked one. <laughs> <laughs> I, there were he two moments. That, he asked
0: that question to everybody though. <laughs> okay. You know? In all fairness. <laughs> it's the only one I can remember.
1: <laughs>
0: there were two uh, turning points, two moments and they were both inspired by my heroes, the two of three most important women in my life. Um, the first one was the birth of my daughter. Right? My wife and I we had actually, uh, not planned on having any children. We love kids, but we were just gonna, you know, have our adult life. Right. And so I was a teacher at the time and part of it too, like with, with my background in biology, I see what we're doing to the world. I see where it's going. And I'm like, I don't want to bring anybody into this mess, you know, cause I'm part of the problem, you know? And so biology happens, I become a father. And as soon as I realize that I'm thinking, shoot, I need to change the way I teach. And so my biology classes became heavily focused on saving the planet. I became that guy Mm. on campus, right? Uh, You know, the, the bracelets and save the earth and that whole thing. The ecologist, essentially. That became an uphill battle because a lot of people struggle with saving the planet because it's just so big, it's so much. And so a turning point was when Indio High School, where I used to teach... Changed their bell schedule. And they went from six periods or a day to a four by four block. So four periods one day, one two three four, five six seven eight the next day. That meant all teachers were going to be teaching another class. Mm-hmm. Three one day, three the next day. So instead of five, I was teaching six. And I thought, I don't want to teach another biology class. I want to teach a, a fun science elective. And at the time, I was going through my own nutrition journey. So I decided to write a new class called Physiology of Digestion, a one year science elective course about nutrition and where food comes from, how it affects our bodies, how to grow your own food, how to cook, just essentially everything you would learn from a scientific standpoint about nutrition. And that I did that uh, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, a long time ago that evolved. And I realized, wow, I can save the planet one person at a time. Wow. Because once you're making healthier food choices, ultimately you're making healthier choices for the planet, you know, in many ways. You can save the earth one bite at a time. And so that was more manageable. People could see that. They could experience that in their bodies. I had students reversing diabetes during the course of a school year by what they learned in my class And changing their family and changing the way they ate at home. Entire families changed. Wow. And so that really kind of put me on the map as far as in the valley, the guy who's teaching nutrition to high school kids. And that was a while ago. So my daughter inspired that. The other moment was a little more tragic. (laughs) I was going into another school year. This was eight years ago and right before the school year started, my mother had a stroke. She raised my brother and I, I have a, a younger brother, a year and a half younger than me. Um, I have a stepdad, stepmom, and a adopted sister who's 10 years younger than me, and she grew up with them. So I grew up mainly with my brother and my mom, and so uh-huh. mom had a stroke. She was my hero. She's my best friend. I was like, oh my gosh, okay. go to help her out in Arizona, and She's on the path to making a full recovery, but she's so addicted to cigarettes and unhealthy food, she couldn't let go of it. And I saw food addiction like I'd never seen it before, to the point to where her addiction to convenience foods was so great that it trumped her love for her children and grandchildren. Wow. And it just broke my heart. It's an
1: addiction. It broke my heart. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And so she actually ended up passing away a few months later, the day before my birthday. Mm. Mm. And I was devastated. I was, here, here I am, right, teaching nutrition to hundreds, thousands of kids and families. And I can't even save my own mother. And I just felt like the biggest failure. And so that school year, I just kind of coasted through the rest of the school year. I was um, approached to take on a, a leadership position at the district office as a science TOSA for the district. And I was going to take the job. I said, I, I have to shake the tree. I have to get out of this and do something drastically different. And so I had to announce to the principal that I had planned on leaving. And um, I love him, Rudy Ramirez, principal of Indio High School for 27 years. He, um, he was one of my number one fans. And he said, you know what? I need you to build a health academy. The one that we had was failing, it was falling apart. Kids were petitioning to get rid of the teacher. It was, it was just a bad situation. He said, I need you to fix it. And I told him, I said, I'll do it if I can wipe the slate clean and rebuild the whole thing and build a health academy around nutrition and mental health and activity like movement exercise. He said, do whatever you want. I don't care, just don't leave. I said, okay. What did you use as your template for building that? Functional medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, I used my nutrition background to kind of start it. I wasn't sure how it was going to do the rest of it because I had to write curriculum for three years of medical health education. And so... What a
2: monstrous um, undertaking. Huge.
0: Yeah, huge. And so, I, you know, and then, of course, the kids that were in the program before, they got upset because the teacher that was fired and left the school, he would just let them do whatever. <laughs> there was no learning happening. It was like study hall. Yeah, if that, you know, and they would just be on their phones. It was, it was a chill hour. And I'm coming in and I'm like, I'm teaching this like an AP class because you all want to be doctors. <laughs> So they didn't like that. (laughs) So I started from scratch, but I, I actually started attending every lecture I could here in the Valley. And that's where I met some of the doctors. Eisenhower was doing a lecture series at the time, and they had some people coming in talking about, you know, medicine, but talking about alternative health and that type of thing. And I heard about this conference called the Institute for Functional Medicine, the IFM International Conference, and it was happening in San Diego. And Dr. Gerilyn Brosfield, who's you know pretty well known here in the desert, she said, you should check out this functional medicine conference. And that's where I went. And I met some of the biggest names in not only functional medicine, but medicine itself. right? And so I'm the only school teacher. <laughs> There's 2000 people at this conference and they're doctors from all over the planet. And I'm in there. I'm a high school biology teacher. <laughs> they
1: must have been fascinated they were. that you were there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm getting a book signed by one of these doctors. And he says, well, what do you do? What, where do you practice? He <laughs> says, <laughs> I said, actually, you're in my classroom all the time because I show a lot of your videos. I'm a school teacher. And I'm here to learn about functional medicine and, and build a program. And he said, excuse me, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. And he stopped the line. And he pulled me aside. And we talked for a while, and he started introducing me to the bigwigs in functional medicine. And so it was at that conference that I signed up for a 12-month Institute for Functional Medicine health coaching training. And I had didactics. I had the whole thing for a year. And I did mind-body medicine, advanced mind-body medicine training, and I built my curriculum
1: based on all of that and what I learned. I want to talk about that. I read a quote one time from Bishop Tutu that said, we need to quit uh, pulling people out of the river and we need to go upstream and find out why they're falling That's functional medicine. That's functional medicine. That's functional medicine. Where where do you see right now the most important impact in a mind-body-spirit type of um, uh, curriculum? What do you see as the most important things early on with a child to get them headed and developing some momentum on that you know
0: something that we that we've gotten away from in in decades and adults are guilty of this as much as children we don't have downtime we don't have time to think we're constantly engaged constantly distracted how often do you daydream patrick Pretty rarely these days, I would say. Yeah. Now you think back to the crucible of innovation, right? The beginning of humankind, if if you will, right? All of the greatest inventors in the world, they had plenty of downtime Mm -hmm. (laughs) to solve the world's problems.
1: There was no scrolling on their iPhone. No, 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 no. We're so
0: distracted (laughs) by our inventions that we're not inventing anymore. We're leaving that to a handful of people who know how to unplug and not be distracted. And so it's that setting aside time for yourself, that daily meditations, you know, to really kind of tune out, but tune into yourself and plug into who you are, our subconscious you know, right? We've got our conscious and our subconscious. The subconscious is awake constantly. I would have kids say, you know, when I would do my weekly meditations. Um, I used to do Wellness Wednesday when I was teaching, and I would teach yoga to the students all day, and I would meditate with them, and I would have them in shavasana, and I would lead them through guided meditations, and they love their Wednesdays. Some kids with terrible attendance—they wouldn't show up all week—but they'd show up on Wednesday <laughs> in my class. And they would do the yoga and they would get their meditation and so that was their time to plug into their subconscious. They said, what what happens if I fall asleep, Mr. Tate? I said, well, your ears don't stop working. That's the cool thing about your subconscious. It's never asleep. It's constantly aware of every biological process occurring inside your body, whether you're fighting an infection, every cell that's dividing and creating a new cell, your subconscious is aware of this. And so I would actually teach them things during the meditation and then wake, literally have to shake kids and wake them up after I could ask them the question and they tell me the answer because they knew. Their subconscious was plugged into it.
2: And They're like, whoa, it's magic. <laughs> this was the, the path that led you to do a TED Talk, correct? Exactly, yeah. And so tell me about that experience. I'm I'm very interested. And for people who don't know what a TED Talk is, tell them what it is and then tell them how you ended up doing one and and what it was about. It's
0: 2024. Who doesn't know what a TED Talk is? Some people people are so unplugged that they don't know what a TED Talk is. Okay, all right. Well, I applaud those people then, I guess. So, it, it was funny, when I, I was one of the first teachers to start showing TED Talks a long time ago when I started teaching nutrition, when nobody knew what a TED Talk was, uh, and there were like 10. <laughs> now it's a thing, right, yeah. and TEDx and so on. So, a TED Talk um, is essentially, you pitch your idea to a TED community, and the TED community then decides, votes, whether or not your idea is worthy... Of being shared with the world. And what is a TED community? Um, I, it really depends. So I, I went to Chicago to do mm-hmm. mine. So it's that area. Mm-hmm. They okay. wouldn't have like a national subsidiary or whatever. Like it was that area. So they decide in their committee. And it was wild because when I went to Chicago, actually it was Naperville, which is a suburb yeah. of Chicago. They... Told me afterwards that they had more than six thousand applicants, and wow. they chose seven. That was like that well, had to feel a pretty big good. Deal. <laughs> <laughs> now the pressure's on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, this was after I did my talk. They told me, "Oh, I was okay." Like,
1: oh, wow. It's a good thing you didn't know, but I had. A it's time. a good thing I didn't know. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, it, so the selection process. So I, I was connected because of what I do to this person who kind of is a director of TEDx Naperville, And so he reached out to me. We had an interview, uh, and this was uh, around COVID. So it was, you know, on the computer through Zoom. And he said, all right, talk to me, tell me what you do. And after I shared everything with him, he said, actually, you've got probably two or three TED Talks you (laughs) could do (laughs) with what you've done. But let's talk about, because it was during COVID, he said, let's talk about the breathing. Let's talk about this mental health part. And so I literally worked with him and practiced with him for about five months. And at no point during those five months did he say, you got it. I was essentially auditioning for five months. Wow. Wow. And it was then that he said, okay, go ahead. And they weren't sure if they were going to do an in-person event. So I had to hire a film crew, essentially. And I went up to Idlewild. And I had somebody film me in Idlewild doing my TED Talk. So I was able to read it from a prompter, even though I worked on the script for five months. And so the funny story is, uh, two, months into the, two months before the actual event, the unveiling of the TED Talks, we get an email saying, we're going to do a live event in Naperville. Um, bring, you know, bring your stuff. If you can make it. If you're not, it's fine. We'll show you video. And uh, it's a, you know, limited seating. They can't pack the auditorium, but they can do like every third seat. They can do a person so on. And so my wife and I went and was like, great, this is awesome. And it didn't hit me until I walked in the auditorium. It was an hour before we were about to go on stage. And you see that round red rug. So TED is about ideas to share with the world. It was originally technology, entertainment, and design. Um, I, I don't know if it, if it still has that, but you know, I mean, God, it's like the masterclass. It's basically a free masterclass yeah. can learn, you know, from people all over the world. And so, and be entertained. And I'm standing there on this red rug. My wife has pictures of his before the event. And I point to this, um, projector screen at the back and I says, is that where you're going to show my video? And the lead tech guy said, what video? I said, the one I paid to produce and sent to you, that one. He said, we don't, we don't have a video. Everyone's doing their live talk on the rug. He said, nobody told you? I said, no, nobody told me. <laughs> he said, well, can you do it? Seems I said, like something I, I, I probably should have known. <laughs> yeah. He said, can you do it? I said, I, I could wing it, but I'm not going to wing a TED Like, no. He said, we- I said, we have to find this video. And so he's like, all right. He took off. And the other guy came up, the, you know, kind of the leader guy. And he said, you know, are you sure? You, I said, I haven't looked at the script in two months. We're on in an hour. <laughs> I'm number three or four out of seven. I told him, I said, here's what I'll do. Find the video. I'll get up here on the rug. I'm not just going to be hiding in the audience. I'll get up here. I'll, I'll talk. I'll introduce it. And I'll make it so, I'll sell it. I'll make it sound like this was always the plan. <laughs> that I was going to come up and talk, and then I was going to show the video, and then I'll do a little Q&A afterwards. And he said, okay, we that's can a do good that. Way, that's a really good way that...
2: How it should be done, really,
0: but...
1: Yeah. Right, yeah,
0: yeah. And so it was cool because... I think it was third or fourth. There were people... And it's people from all over the world, right? And so there were a couple people from different parts of the country on before me. And... I think I you know, I was so nervous. I, honestly, I don't remember exactly what I said. Afterwards, I asked my wife, I said, how did I do? I totally blanked out. Because <laughs> you're just in the moment, right. you know. Uh, and she said, you, you didn't stutter. You didn't say it. Like, you, you nailed it. Yeah. And I said, okay. Well, what I did was I went up there and I said, okay. You've heard stories from people bringing the, you know, all over the world. And they take you, you know, on their journeys. where they're.' And I said, I'm going to take you somewhere. I'm going to take you to Southern California to this beautiful forest in Wild up in the mountains. And I said, you're a Ted audience. I've heard that Ted audiences are interactive. And so this is a, this is a play with me type Wait, of a situation. Way to set them up there. Yeah. <laughs> and so they did the breath work and it was interesting. Um, you know, and if you watch the talk, you'll see afterwards I had some of the other speakers come up who went after me and they said, after I, after I listened to you and I did the breath work with you, I went up there and they said I was
1: super nervous, but after doing the breathwork with you, I just went up there and nailed it. Wow I, I, I loved the video. Uh, it was a meditation for me. I mean the right. way you put it together, the the, the background, the setting i 'm a uh, practitioner of a, a guy named Tiknook Khan, oh yeah, and yeah. um, he 's all about breathing, yep. And he really talks about it from two different places. One is the physiological things that it does to, as you said, calming you down. Right. But the other thing, and I think a big topic right now, is mindfulness Mm -hmm. and the importance of presence. Mm -hmm. Does that play a role in the conversations that you have with kids about forget yesterday, forget tomorrow, where are you right now? That's what anxiety is, right? Worried about something that hasn't happened yet.
0: So my wife was reading this book. I don't remember the name of the book, but I do remember that she shared this with me. Be where your feet are. And so I, I keep that and I share that with kids all the time. I say, where are your feet? And they're like, uh, right here. <laughs> Be where your feet are. Yeah. Be here in this moment right now. And so when I do lead someone on a meditation and I kind of do the breath work and I take them to that place where their heart rate is calmed down I have them be in the moment and I have to say, I don't have to, but I often say take a break. This is your time. Be with yourself. Be with your breath.
1: Yeah. I, I I'm also a believer and again, tick knock on in the seeds that I water every morning. Mhm. Uh, do you have a routine, a personal routine that you start off with every day? Yes. Um as far as starting with
0: um I don't I get up pretty early. Uh, school starts at 7 a.m. Mm.
1: <laughs> still, I, huh? And I'm 30 minutes. Well,
0: in the East Valley, um, they have buses. yeah. Uh, and so, and because, you know, here in the other parts of the valley, they actually start at like 840. Um, but out there, they can still start early. It's state law to start after 830, unless you're in a rural community, which... Right. Well,
2: is. a lot of those parents are doing things like exactly. going out... Working in the fields. Working yeah. in the fields. Oh, yeah. So,
0: they so it's an early per- day. It's an early day. I I get up, I, you know, I have my water. I always start the day with water. Um, Sometimes I'll have a brief meditation in the morning, um, but I usually just wake up so that I have just enough time to get (laughs) into the shower, get cleaned up, and get out of the, you know, get on the road. But um, every night, though, and every day after school, because of the stories that I hear are sometimes so tragic You know, and when I have to do CPS reports, Mm -hmm. from what I hear, um, there was a week where I did a CPS report every day for four days in a row. Oh, dear. And it just breaks your heart to a level that is just, it's difficult, you know, and I come home and I'm just catatonic and I'm just trying to deal with what I heard and had to do. And so... I have to have a routine where I, I let go of my day and I enter my evening so that, so that my family doesn't get the leftovers of me, <laughs> that they get the best of me. Right. And so I have a meditation routine after work, after school, and then a meditation routine before I go to bed.
1: Well, you know, we f- talked about this earlier too. It's when Once people know you're on that path, they're watching you. Right, Uh, as we talked about, you know, look at me on my worst day, not my best day, because that's going to tell you whether any of it's working or not. Right? Is do you have those same kind of conversations at home? Yeah, I mean,
0: I have a 16 year old daughter. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Patrick mentioned you have a 15 year old daughter, so plenty of challenges there. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) That's all you have to say. 16 year old daughter. (laughs) People get it. Everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and it's funny, you know, because I, you know, one thing that she says is I. She says she wishes that they had what I do at their school. I bet. She's in Desert Sands, and so they don't. And, and I wish they had a wellness center at her school. Uh, I know that she's struggling. I mean, I know. We, they're struggling, right? Yeah. Imagine, right? If they had someone to talk to. And so when I try to talk to her, she won't. She talks to my wife, but she really won't talk to me. She won't open up to me. And I do tell her, I'm like, honey, you do know what I do for a living, right? Yeah. But, but, but it's, it's different, it's, right? It's, it's different. Bad. It's so it's so much harder
2: to sell it to the kids. You know, like they don't want to hear it from a parent.
0: They want to hear it from a peer, or or You'd be surprised. You would be. They love ninety percent of the of the people I talk to, and I talk to hundreds every month are female, and they want to know what guys think. They want to, you know, they share things with me. That I never would have thought. Right, but they're not your daughter. Like, <laughs> no, daughters no, no, don't want to no, hear exactly. from their dad. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's yeah, the, you know, it's like yeah, yeah. You know. yeah. I'm like, yeah, my background's in biology. Let's talk about your cycle. Let's talk about the hormones. Yeah, I'm you know? <laughs> running from the room. <laughs> Those that's are probably pretty th- quick <laughs> conversations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <You> no, know, <laughs> not for me. You know, I, you know, and they talk about you know relationship stuff with me, and you know, God, I, if I knew back then what I know now about relationships imagine that's where i say teachers are time travelers we have a chance to go back in time every year and share with the youth what we wish we knew when we were their age if they would only listen and some do and i'm in a position now where i have an opportunity to truly share and make an impact and change lives in a way that i never could as a classroom teacher even though that was great this is just deeper on a whole whole level you were you were talking
2: about, you know, when you come home from a particularly tough day. Yeah. And, I, you know, as a teacher, you don't have the same interface time with the students that you do now. Right. And a lot of us who work in business, like in the news business, we see tragic stories every day. Every day. And we build up a callus. There's a scab there that mm. makes it so that, you know. Yeah. Uh, it happens. Like working then,
0: the emergency room. Right.
2: Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people are able to build up that couch, but with what you do and how you're dealing with students, you kind of can't have that. So how do you, because you are kind of soaking in
0: their experiences, yeah. good or bad. Yeah. You have to do this is like being a therapist. You have to strike a balance. When I first started, and I've been doing this for almost two and a half years now uh, at CV, uh, there wasn't a day that I didn't cry. Wow. Mm. No. Out of just empathy. Sure. Your passion, you know? Uh, and there was a point where I actually wondered, can I handle this? I believe myself to be an empath. Um, I've lost a parent. And so when they talk about losing a parent, you get it. I commiserate, right? And I feel that. Um, they talk about a disconnection with their father. I feel that. You know? And so I've now come to the point to where I am very con- I can handle any story now. So I've developed a callus, but at the same time I have I'm open heart, you know, with these kids. You'd have to be. You have to yeah. be. You have Cause to Because they be know able right away hear. if you're not. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So to hear them truly hear them and be there with them through the process um, and be able to let go of it. Um, I now know that I can handle this job. So I have a question
2: and I I don't know whether you could answer. You probably actually have a pretty good answer for this. What you do is so vital to these kids and it's so important. The school district CV has embraced it. Why haven't the other school districts? Why aren't we doing this for our kids in all of our school districts?
0: Another great question. Um, you know, it's interesting. I actually founded a nonprofit a long time ago called Human Health Initiative. And it was this it was teaching actual health in schools mental health, physical health, nutrition health, what I was doing in my health academy. Um, Unfortunately, you know, for many reasons, it didn't get off the ground. And that was the question, you know, that I was trying to address and get into the schools. Post-COVID, one of the great things about the aftermath of COVID was the flood of federal money for these mental health programs. And so CV Unified said, okay, we'll take the money, we'll do something with it. So they're using what's called an ESSER fund, E-S-S-E-R, which is a federal fund, to fund my position. I'm a grant-funded employee now. Okay. I'm not paid for by the school district. I'm paid for through a grant. Until the district deems this position so vital that it becomes part of what they're called LCAP, the local control funding, then I'm paid through the general teacher fund. But the other school districts just for whatever reason didn't tap into this immense wealth of ESSER funds to build these programs. And I heard every excuse in the book, oh we don't have room, we don't have space, we don't have tissue whatever. But it's so fundamentally important. Because oh my God, yeah. it, the the it's the
2: foundation the mission fails exactly if you're not getting to these kids yeah. who are
0: not able to focus. Exactly. Yeah. You're flooded. You're flooded, emotionally flooded and it's that whole, you know, write the peanuts you, when they go to class. and That's all you hear when, you know, your cousin just died from cancer and he's 16, right? That's all you hear. Wha, 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 and you're sitting there in tears and there's nothing the teacher can do for you. They send you to the counseling office and you sit there. And a lot of times, you know, they, they're out in trainings. It's just the counseling office isn't what you think it is. They're academic counselors. Right, they're, they're designed to help counseling. you get to the
2: next level, yeah, help exactly. you get into college. Ca- yeah. They're they're Careers, not, they're not know, emotional they counselors. They're not
0: They can, but they often don't have time for that, just yeah. like the teachers don't have time. So this position creates the time. We didn't even have. Ca- I just had a school nurse. <laughs> you know,
2: if you were emotionally damaged, you just went down there and she Get gave you an aspirin. Yeah right, yeah, right. or
1: something. <laughs> they can't <laughs> give
0: out aspirin now. No, they call your mom. When you and got to head you know, They oh. give you a bag of ice.
1: That's right. <laughs> hey, I, I want to talk. You, you've you've taken this, and they are, the schools have found other things for you to use with these skills. You've done some work with in the with the sports teams.
0: Oh yeah, uh, yeah. talk about that. So. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I'm a multi-sport athlete. I grew up playing sports. I played volleyball in college. Uh, I coached volleyball out here for a long time, club and at the, at the high school. And so, in track and field, I, I love that competitive spirit. But I also love that's where, as a teacher, I was able to actually spend more time with the kids. And build those relationships and be a mentor for them. Because you're traveling, you're on the bus. you know. Yeah. So that's a really special thing. And so on game days, I realized, you know, with these students, you can only prepare the body so much. But on game day, it's all the mind. Yeah. And so what I would do is get the entire baseball team in my yoga room. And I would have them all lay down. I'd play the, you know, my chakra bowls and, and play music. And I would lead them through a guided med- meditation that I call victory visualization. And because I've played pretty much every sport you can imagine, I essentially take them through the five senses of their experience. What they can see, smell, hear, taste, and touch. On the field. In the pool. Wherever it is. And I take them through their entire competition winning right at the end so they've won in their head and then they come out of it and they do this wake
1: up thing and And then they go play and professional athletes they do it they're doing this stuff constantly they pay a lot of money paying a lot of money for for people (laughs) to come in and do this yeah exactly do this work
2: well what you're doing is so important for the kids and, and you've had a big and what I loved about what you said earlier as you teach these kids, they take these habits back and teach oh, their family. Yeah, yeah. And friends. And, and friends. And, and, you know, then it, you get that exponential spreading effect. I was teaching.
1: Talk to us about the, um, the Zen garden. Oh, yes. Uh, that you're putting together. <laughs> <laughs> so, last year, uh, towards the end
0: of the school year, somebody said, hey, there's a grant. There's a local foundation, Anderson Children's Foundation. Big shout out to them. And they said, uh, the grant's due by the end of the week. You know, check it out. And I looked, and they, wow, they award up to $50,000 for projects. And I'm like thinking, all right, you know, I have kind of what I need in the room. I don't want to order tchotchke, but let's do something really special. And so within a week, (laughs) I drew up the plans. I did all the measurements, and I asked the principal, of course, I'm like, can I build a Zen garden out here? And I have, you know, some experience in landscape design. And so I did that, got the materials and figured out the price and cost of everything, wrote up the grant in a week ahead and submitted it and was awarded in the summer $35,000 to build a more than 1,800 square foot Zen garden with two water features, a covered pergola area, marble benches, marble table, (laughs) um, planter beds, flagstone, creva, pebble which is that sand that you rake that's actually in real zen gardens Um, and it's going to be right outside the wellness center and uh, black oak inc which is a local construction like developer they're going to be doing the work they start breaking ground this friday oh cool i'm not going to say the date you're welcome, John. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be up to me to screw up later.
1: <laughs> the rest assured by State the time you right? <laughs> hear this podcast,
0: ground will have been broken. <laughs> Southwest Boulder and Stone, big shout out to them. Um, you know, they've given us uh, a little bit of a discount, right? Helping out the kids. And this is for the community, you know, parents that come on campus, the teachers, the security, and, of course, the kids. And this is kind of an extension of our wellness center right outside. It's an outdoor classroom. These two water features. It'll just be this beautiful, magical place. And I, and I bet once this breaks and once the news shows this and other schools are going to be like, wow, let's yeah. do that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so, very yeah, cool. that's happening. L- listen, I... I wish that my children had had a chance to work with you then they wouldn't have gotten screwed up by working with me all these years it would, it would have been wonderful for them to have all these there's habits there's nothing
0: that can replace the love of a father yeah.
1: I keep telling them that they keep looking for things and I keep telling them it won't replace the love of a father so what's coming up next what, what, what's books more TED talks what else is coming yes, up yes and, and yes sure yeah um last
0: year we won a national award uh, at CV uh, for America's Healthiest School and it was one of 0.07% of schools in the nation received this award Congratulations. and it was for the Wellness Center there are six other categories so my goal is to get all seven and I'm working on staff wellness right now focusing on the adults because I've, I've been there you know and I've lost six colleagues Mm. in the education field, early death due to stress, diet-related things. It's a very stressful job. And if we don't help the teachers, then we're hurting the kids. Uh, We had a gentleman pass away this year at CV from cancer. You know, and, and these things happen. And so, you know, working with the adults And just kind of building a school that really just kind of focuses on the nutrition and everything. So, my goal at CV is to get all seven to be an all-star. There's only ten schools in the country out of over thirty thousand high schools. (laughs) Wow! So that's a lofty goal. That'd be pretty cool. It's a lofty goal, but achievable. Yeah, seems very within your reach. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I've been kind of working on a book um, called Food Education. Food Education. For a little while, and it kind of shares my story, you know, about this and, and the journey and the trials and tribulations of, of teaching life and health and um, how to make the rest of your life the best of your life, right?
1: You're so. doing something incredibly important, and as a dad and a parent, thank you. This You're kind welcome. of stuff is so yeah. important.
2: I, I love the fact that these kids in your school district and in your school have this kind of program, uh, it's necessary everywhere. I but agree. I, I really think that uh, you're doing some incredible work. Thank you. That will make all of our other educational efforts better. Because it, once you improve these kids at that foundational level and get them back to being open and receptive to the education we're trying to give them. You know, then we're gonna see test scores improve, then we're gonna see graduation yeah. rates exactly. improve. This is this is where you need to yeah. reach these kids.
0: Then it's not huh anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you were talking about you know,
2: we we talked touched briefly on the you know, the obesity epidemic we yeah. have and, and you're you know, working with kids to reverse that. Right. It, it's so important. You're doing some great work and we really appreciate you spending some time with us. Anytime yeah great well we're here every Tuesday and yeah. I'd like a little we could use a little focusing meditation yeah, just before sure. the
1: podcast I've been trying to do that every week oh is that right yeah <laughs> it's usually with a gin and tonic no,
2: I, I, well that's a very that's a mindful way I, he said that he starts every day with water I start every day with water filtered through coffee beans it's a very simple <laughs> process so I think it gets us centered makes you regular it's all good Jason thank you so much Appreciate
0: you, Patrick. Thank Randy, you. thank Good you. Good having you. having you here. Thank, thank you. you.
2: I knew that this one would be special <laughs> to you because you guys speak the language we together. Do. We do. You yeah. guys can sit later and have a bowl of granola with each other that'll be (laughs) terrific while john and i have a cheeseburger john (laughs) thank you as always our producer john McMullen, uh for john and for randy i'm patrick evans thanks for joining us for big conversations little bar and keep it tuned to your favorite podcast platform and catch the very next one that drops please subscribe that way you'll
1: catch them all thanks for joining us on this episode of big conversations little bar Recorded on location at Skip Page's Little Bar in Palm Desert, California, the center of the Coachella Valley universe. This program is a production of the Mutual Broadcasting System. All episodes are available from BigConversationsLittleBar.com or from most major podcast portals, including Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music.